brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. We're excited to wrap up our opponent preview series. And today's episode, Matt, it just means a little bit more if you catch my drift. When you're talking about the SEC, you're talking about football. I can't even do a fake customer service voice. Of course this game means more. (laughs) Of course it means more. Today we're talking uh, rivalry. We're going to get into the uh, Louisville-Kentucky matchup for the first time. And we're excited to be joined by Aaron Gershon, a Kentucky insider who works as the Princeton Daily Claritin sports editor uh, and also contributes to multiple Kentucky platforms, including Big Blue Inside or a sea of blue and cats by 90. Um, he's going to help us take a look at one of the most important, if not the most important game on Louisville's schedule, the Kentucky Wildcats. Aaron, there's never a dull moment when it comes to the cards and cats. You probably know this better than just about anyone. Uh, for example, there's going to be listeners who are going to be instantly pissed off that we're even talking about Kentucky and putting time towards having a writer media member on, regardless of the fact that these two teams are going to play each other. But let me, st- let me start the podcast by asking you this before we even actually talk about the game. What's your craziest Louisville fan story? We hear crazy Kentucky fan stories all the time, but I know from having crazy Louisville fan friends that Louisville fans are nuts. Give me, you got, you've got to have a story of an interaction with a Louisville fan that just kind of sticks out to you. Yeah, the one, uh, since we're on the football subject, uh, 2018, the year Louisville obviously had a really tough year. Uh, I think they went two and 10 the year Kentucky came in and just killed them. Don't talk about that year on the show. <laughs> I don't think that, exi- that never happened. Well, uh, yeah. I was in the, I was actually, I was flying home from that. That was Thanksgiving. So I didn't go to the game. I actually missed most of it. I was on a plane, but I was connecting through Chicago and it was before kickoff and I was wearing a UK uh, related sweatshirt and a Louisville fan actually approached me in the airport and was breaking down how they were going to upset Kentucky that game. And I wanted to be respectful. So I kind of just went with it. I'm like, I I don't think you understand the, years both teams are having <laughs> i mean you have louisville who obviously is having a historically awful year and kentucky's having their best year in 40 years uh pissed off with how it went the year before i'm not sure that this is the year anyone's upsetting anyone and uh sure enough it didn't work out but he literally i think 20 minutes in my ear breaking down which i i, I mean he's clearly a diehard louisville football fan so i respected it but breaking down position by position how louisville had this edge that we're not not everyone seeing and how the you know the interim coach was gonna throw things I was like I just don't see it happening (laughs) one of the saddest moments I've experienced as a Louisville fan was that game just in general but it was Malik Cunningham going 90 plus yards down the sideline to nobody in the world caring like it just it was a beautiful touchdown (laughs) run it's 65 to nothing nobody cares and it's a beautiful run and it's on his highlight tape forever with eight fans in the stands cheering I mean it's just it's just absolutely the worst miserable story you can think of but that's fantastic and I'm sure there's a lot worse it made his stat line look better (laughs) I mean that's pretty much the only plus Louisville could have 
that game. I think I think wasn't it wasn't that touchdown still fairly early in the game? It was only like 14-10 at that point. It, maybe, but it felt like it was 65 to nothing right out of the game. I, I think walked in there down most, 30. Most people who had tuned out like two games ago. But anyways, uh, it, it's it's been an eventful offseason. I know Louisville's had the kind of their ups, their downs, and people kind of have varying thoughts on their end. But I want to hear about it from the Kentucky aspect. Uh, how so far, because we're we, – we don't follow, obviously, we don't follow Kentucky as much as Louisville. So how has this offseason gone for the Cats, and how would you grade this offseason for the program and Mark Stoops? Look, I, I think it's as high as it can get. I think the problem, I can't give it – I would want to give it an A, but I can't because we don't know how the offense, offense is going to work yet. Obviously, we haven't seen uh, – obviously, with COVID still uh, still a thing kind of, um, we can't get into practice and see how um, the offense looks under Liam Cohen. I, I think it's hard to judge until we see it in action and obviously know who the quarterback's going to be. That's the big story, you know, heading into camp here. But, look, they have – Filled really every hole on their roster through the transfer portal in an amazing way. I mean, Jaquez Jones, the leading tackler from Ole Miss coming in, he's going to fill that spot. Yeah, Louisville goes from having to face him the first game of the season to the last. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. But, yeah, he'll be – he kind of fills that need they had with Jamin Davis, obviously, you know, surprising everyone and being a first-round pick. So, he'll fill right in at middle linebacker. Um, The offensive line, you obviously – uh, lost three of your starters. Uh, I think Luke Fortner coming back for a sixth year. And, of course, Darren Kennard is probably going to be a first-round pick. We're both surprises and both obviously welcome. And then you get the news this week uh, that Dare Rosenthal, a starter from LSU, started all 10 games and played pretty well last year. Uh, yesterday committed to Kentucky, and he's probably going to be right in there in the starting lineup. And then, obviously, you look at some of the other transfers they added. Wondell uh, Robinson, what we all know here in Kentucky, uh, what a talent he was uh, at the high school level and then what he was able to do right away in Nebraska. He's going to come in, and I think uh, with the anticipation that this offense is going to be more balanced, I think it'll be huge. I think if you brought him in last year, it may not have worked out as well because they weren't passing the ball well, uh, and they just didn't have an offense that would have best um, utilized him, and I think that's probably why he ended up going to Nebraska in the first place. But um, I think this year with a more balanced attack, he's going to be huge. And then, um, so those were all the big things for me. Uh, obviously, I, the reason I, I can't give it an A yet, I want to say like a B plus for now, is that offense. And we'll see what's going to happen at quarterback. I like the idea of Will Levis, the quarterback from Penn State. I think he's going to be the starter, but he hasn't done anything yet. We don't know anything yet. So it's kind of hard to tell because quarterback's obviously the most important position on the field. And it's just a big question mark right now. I couldn't help but crack a little bit of a smile when you mentioned Wandell Robinson because at least you guys were able to hold on to your Nebraska transfer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the, the, I was actually – the Luke McCaffrey stuff is – I don't know. That kid, it's just one of those – it's the new college football words, play me now or I'm out. I mean, and I think that's probably where we're going to ha- see uh, – assuming I, – I think the, the consensus is that Will Levis is going to be the guy at quarterback given that he was Liam Cohen's handpicked quarterback. And I think Joey Gatewood's going to hit the portal literally as soon as that competition's up. So that's my guess. There's no inside or anything. That's just, that's how college football is these days. I mean, it's right. You know, don't start right away. I'm out. And I, I can't stand it. I think um, obviously the one-time waiver is going to make that more common, but yeah, the Luke McCaffrey thing, I mean, what, he's at Louisville for a week and then rice. I don't know. Four days. Held the program hostage for four days. Four days, yeah. That's not even Louisville's fault. That's just the kids being 
that's where college football is these days. Yeah, definitely an interesting offseason, like Matt said. Uh, just it, from last year and the, the way that you with the season UK went five and six, obviously not really where they expected to be following a 10 and three and eight and five se- season or two seasons ahead of that. Um, where did Kentucky need to improve the most this offseason? I know you've mentioned the, the holes on the offensive line. You lose several defensive players who were big time. Um, you bring in a lot of really quality transfers. But where did Kentucky have to improve the most um, in order to kind of get back to where they were? Honestly, more than anything on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that all started with, you know, being more creative with the offensive scheme. And I think Eddie Grand, I think Eddie Grand got a bad rap. I mean, obviously, the offense was really boring and stale last year. Um, I think part of it is you played 10 SEC games and defenses are going to figure it out much easier. Um, but obviously he had, I mean, you know, on, with him at, as offensive coordinator, they had a 10 win season, eight win season and had the best rushing attack in the nation. Uh, I think fourth best in the SEC in 2019. So he did a lot of good, but it was time to just open up the offense more. Uh, and I think the biggest need was one for creativity and two to add, uh, to the uh, to the wide receiving core because the wide receivers last year you look at the amount of drops I don't have the number in front of me but Terry Wilson's numbers would have been a lot better if it weren't for a ton of drops and a ton of you know miscommunication with receivers so other than Josh Ali who's uh, uh, coming back for a fifth year which was another huge kind of addition um, without going out and getting anyone um, really the wide receiver play was poor last year so you have Josh Ali now coming back for a fifth year, which I think he's only going to get better. Um, and then, of course, you bring in Wandell Robinson. That's humongous. Um, I think Keaton Upshaw is going to have more of a role. I think they got to get the tight ends more involved. They have so much talent at tight end. And for whatever reason, ever since, you know, C.J. Conrad went, got hurt at the end of 2017, came back and just wasn't the same in 2018, they've really abandoned the tight end. And Keaton Upshaw is a six-seven target who – played really well against Alabama last year. He played well against Florida. So I think they're going to get him more involved. And I really think, well, like I said, Wondell Robinson is just humongous. A fifth year of Josh Ali, I think, is only going to help. And then, you know, you start looking down the depth chart. They were able to add a couple four-star guys at a high school. I don't know if they're going to play right away. That's usually not how Kentucky rolls. But I think just there's definitely more depth at that wide, res- wide receiver position, a healthy Isaiah Epps. Um, Demarcus Harris did a couple of good things uh, last year before he started having the drop issues. Um, though I am, uh, I, what I think was really telling with the wide receivers is you had a lot of guys transfer out, whether it was Alan Daly, who was kind of the wide receiver two last year, um, or Cle- uh, not Cleveland Thomas, he's hurt, but um, Akeem Hayes. So I think they kind of were able to add to what they felt they needed at receiver and kind of subtract or let go what they weren't really planning to utilize anymore, which I think is interesting and telling that they're looking for speed, more speed on the outside and to open it up a little more. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Liam Cohen earlier, and he's the, the guy coming in to replace Eddie Grant as the offensive coordinator. What kind of impact do you think he will have and how much you can control do you think Mark Stoops is going to give him? Because like you said earlier, Kentucky had a, a pretty boring offense at times, and I think what they rank 122nd in passing offense. So, so how, how is Liam Cohen? I know they they're being assisted by all the the additions and whatnot, such as Wondell Robinson. But what will Cohen specifically do to improve this mark? Yeah, I think really Mark Stoops has had an offhand approach with the offense always. He's obviously we all know he's a defensive minded guy. Uh, that's what he came in to do, and 
even even Brad White's still the defensive play caller. So Stoops is more just a uh, quality control guy, pretty much controlling everything, and uh, definitely with more of an emphasis on defense. So I think Cohen's going to have free reign uh, with the offense. And I think basically what they want him to do is, one, be more creative, because like you said, it was a boring offense last year. They couldn't throw the ball. And that was – I think partly that was personnel. I really think a lot of it's not even Eddie Grant's fault. The talent just wasn't there at receiver. Um, and Terry Wilson coming off an injury that most players never play again from just wasn't the same guy, uh, unfortunately. And Joey Gatewood having the weird offseason with COVID and not really getting a chance to practice um, until, you know, the end of July. It, it, it just – I don't think it um, – I don't think it was a good answer to go to him really because he wasn't ready yet. So uh, with the offense that is, so I think with, um, with Cone, what they're looking for is more creativity with, and they're definitely going to throw the ball more, but they also, I think the key is they're going to keep the aspect of ground and pound while adding to it. Obviously we know if you look at the rushing numbers last year, I don't know where they ranked. They were still up near the top of the country. I know they were fourth in 2019 and then eight, eight, you know, they'd snelled from 16 to 18. So they're going to be up there again, but Chris Rodriguez obviously could be the top running back coming back to the sec. I think you're going to see him utilize not the same amount because they're going to throw more, but they're still going to keep that aspect of the offense and Kavasi smoke back too. But I just think it's going to be a more balanced approach. I just simply think, I, I don't really know exactly what the plays are going to be. Like I said, cause we haven't been able to see, we don't know if they're chucking just, straight go routes what they're whatever the hell they're doing but i just think it's going to be far more balanced i don't think you know you could pretty much count it pretty much uh with eddie grand last year you can count on them running on first and second down sounds like louisville yeah no it sounds familiar doesn't it (laughs) guarantee run on first and second down and if it was within six yards on third down they were going to still run the ball and they would only throw if it was like third and seven or longer so are you talking about Kentucky or Louisville? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it's... Oh, Kentucky's offense was brutal last. It was just like, it It was so boring. It was pretty much, you looked, usually when you, just as a, from a fan approach, you enjoy offense more. That's that's normal. I mean, I, I, I love good defense, but I think watching offense is always more fun. Uh, I way rather watch their defense play 90% of the game than the offense, because the defense was really good and the offense was boring as hell. But um, I, I just think, I think it's just going to be so much more balanced. I think you're not going to know what they're doing every play uh, like you did. Even in 2019, obviously Kentucky, when um, every quarterback got hurt and they had to go with Lynn under center, but uh, I mean, they ran 96% of the time. That's not a, that's the actual number, 96%. Um, but they have, a guy in Lynn Bowden was one in a generation. So when they couldn't do that uh, last year, uh, then, you know, the stats reflected. All right. Let's talk about the rivalry a little bit. Um, obviously the recipe to having any good rivalry is both teams winning and being able to be competitive. Obviously that's not been the case. Each of the last two times Louisville and Kentucky have played. I don't have the margins in front of me, but it's not pretty points, yards, all that's really bad. Um, as a Louisville fan, I've grown up most of my life watching Louisville dominate football. There's obviously been the few years, the Stevie Johnson year, a couple of the crack door years, but uh, obviously the momentum and, and balance really has shifted in the direction of Kentucky uh, and Matt and I talked about this at the kind of the beginning of the, the show in the intro is that it's a really weird time for this rivalry right now. One, because Louisville has not won games, obviously. And two, because of the fact that there was no game last year, right? They didn't play. And so you take a year off, no results, makes debating a little bit more tricky, especially on the Louisville side. 
Um, as somebody who covers Kentucky, what's your perspective been on the rivalry debate and just the fan interaction this offseason? Has it felt a little different? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think more – the football has kind of been – like you said, it's been quiet because there wasn't a game last year. Neither team had the year they wanted to have last year. Um, but Kentucky fans obviously expect to go beat Louisville just given how it's been the last couple of years and seeing – I don't think anyone's I, – I, honestly, I haven't gotten to dig, dig too deep into Louisville yet or really even any opponents outside the SEC East. But I think the perception is they're kind of – I don't know if they're better or worse or the same. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what they're going to be. So I think the, from just a football fan, at least the fans are just viewing it as going to be the same thing. And I don't know if it's going to be that because I think the jury's out on what Kentucky is really going to be. I think their ceiling's really high, but you just never know, um, given this is a first year of an offense and still kind of a weird offseason. So I think the expectation is obviously, you know, Kentucky fans expect to win that game. I don't think there's anyone projecting it to be a loss. But for me, as someone who, you know, kind of just doesn't really think of it that way, I have no idea what to expect because I haven't dug too deep into the, what Louisville's got this year and what, what exactly the fan base is expecting out of them. Uh, but from Kentucky's standpoint, I do expect that the defense won't miss a beat. Uh, I don't expect, even with all those losses, I think they've one thing that Mark Stoops has done is, and Vince Marrow, the recruiting coordinator, is they've, the defensive end, they've just built size and speed every year with their recruiting classes. And they have guys – that when you were talking about how Louisville dominated this rivalry, when you look at Kentucky's 2013 roster, you know, Stoops inherited that team. They're one deep. They have mm-hmm. decent starters and then there's no depth. So you have an injury, nothing. It, it's over. This mm-hmm. team, at least defensively, I think that's what I was talking about. Offense, they're still not quite there yet. They are on the offensive line. They are not at receiver. Uh, they are at running back now. And then, so I think receiver and quarterback are kind of the two positions are still you know, haven't been able to dominate the recruiting trail with yet, but they are three to four deep. So they have injuries or they have attrition like they do from uh, this past off season. They're going to be just fine because the depth is there and you're going to see a lot of kids step up on the defensive side of the ball. So I think defensively, they're going to be fine. And I think that bodes well with them, you know, with Louisville and having a mobile quarterback and, and the offense they're able to spread out. I think Kentucky defensively, assuming they have the year we're all expecting will be fine. I just don't know what the heck to expect from the offense. Because <laughs> no one's seen it yet. So one, one thing that uh, Kentucky and Louisville had in common last year, that they were both coming off of years that by all accounts, they, they were successful, but then they followed up with yeah. relatively disappointing campaigns. Obviously we know Louisville went four and seven Kentucky, while they did go bowling, they did finish one game under 500 at five and six. Yeah. Going into this, this season, what's, what is the feeling among the fan base? Is, is it, do they feel like they're going to get back to that level they had in 2019? Or is this, it seems like there's more often than not, like after the, the, the season is over, there's talk of, oh, this this is going to be the end of Stoops. You think the quote-unquote end of Mark Stoops is here because of this down year, or is do you think Kentucky's going to be better? Yeah, I think the only way the Mark Stoops has ever let out of that building is if he takes another job. I just, mm-hmm. I think what he's done for this program is unprecedented, unprecedented and we just haven't I mean, no, I can't in my lifetime, at least we haven't seen it. So uh, really you're not, you're not looking at the success of, you know, they've been to five straight bowl games now, obviously last year was a little different, but they won it. So that's three straight bowl wins. Um, and it, what they've done is super impressive. So I think last year was more 
you know, I don't want to make excuses because every team in the country dealt with the COVID stuff, but I think it's one, you played a 10-game SEC schedule and they gave you Alabama and Ole Miss, where Ole Miss was just a matchup nightmare, um, given the fact that they could score on anyone. It didn't matter how good your defense was. And Kentucky, as bad as their offense was, that was the one game they scored 41 and still lost. So, I mean, that was a matchup nightmare. Then we all know what Alabama was last year. So, that 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 you know, that's two losses more – what you're really you're two losses in games that would have been last year Kent State and Eastern Illinois so obviously um the 10 game SEC schedule really I think messes with things a little bit but then you look at games like Missouri there's no way they should have lost to Missouri last year that's an inexcusable loss so I think if you look at just a replacing Alabama and Ole Miss with Louisiana Monroe and Chattanooga obviously those are going to be uh, two games that you didn't have last year that you're 99% going to win. Um, and then obviously you should be able to beat Missouri at home. They should have beat them last year. I don't think Missouri, I mean, I like the direction Drinkwitz is going. I don't think they're anything close yet to being a factor. So that's a game you should get back. Obviously you have another cupcake in New Mexico state. So those are, th- you know, four games in my opinion, they should be able to get back this year. Um, so I think, and right, right that I, I really think if they fail to win eight games, that's a bad sign that maybe things are not as good as we thought. Um, I think eight is kind of the number you have to get to. Um, and you can definitely, I mean, I think Georgia is going to win the East running away. I think this is, might be the best year, uh, best roster that uh, Kirby Smart has had, which obviously says a lot. But you look at what Florida is dealing with right now with the, I mean, they've lost. They lost so much last year, like not more than a normal Florida year, especially when Kyle Trask was the best quarterback they've had in quite a bit. So um, they're a team where I think with the game being at home, obviously we know Kentucky's only been them once the last 32 years, but that's a game that maybe you could flip. I'm not saying that I'm never going to pick them to be Florida. Uh, I've never be, picked them to pick Tennessee, but last year kind of changed things a little bit. Um, and obviously what the God knows what's going to happen with Tennessee this year, but um um, honestly, the two games for me that could make it more special than eight are that one and then LSU. I have no idea what the hell to expect from LSU. I don't know if they're going to be the same average team as last year or they're going to regain some of the 20. I don't think they'll ever be 2019 good, but if they could be half of that again, um, I don't know what they're going to be. So those are the two games for me that are kind of the ones that can turn it into a, a be make this either a good season or a really good season. Let's talk specifically about the game a little bit. What, in your opinion, I know obviously we're still months out, um, and depending on when this actually is released, um, you know, we could be two months, three months, four months, five months, whatever the case is. So it's kind of hard to project exactly how this is going to come out. But what, in your opinion, is the biggest storyline for Kentucky when it comes to the game against Louisville? Obviously for Louisville, in my opinion, I would say it's the fact that they are 0-2 in the last two years. They've lost by – 30, 40 points, giving up, you know, almost a thousand yards uh, and offense to Kentucky. So obviously the storyline there is Louisville has to win that game. That's a, that's the bottom line, but what is it for Kentucky? I think it's, you got, it's the same thing, but you got to win it. You got to keep asserting your dominance, right? I mean, the thing with Kentucky during this, I guess, three to four year run is what they've wanted to do is pass other programs. And obviously you're thinking more in the SEC, given that's their conference, but Louisville's on the list. They want to, prove that they're passing the teams that have bullied them really the last, you know, decade before Stoops got here or even early on in the Stoops era. So they kind of feel like they're at the point where they're 
finally got the Tennessee monkey off their back. They've won, uh, what, they've won two out of four in that one, and they just kicked their butts in Knoxville last year. So they kind of feel like they're past them. Um, they've obviously, Missouri, South Carolina were teams ahead of them. They've obviously kind of passed them. So they're trying to do that with Louisville too. And I think, you know, obviously those two years, the first year, I mean, I don't think, I think you could throw that game away almost. Kentucky had their best year in 40 years. Louisville had one of their worst years in 40 years. So I think you throw that game away. I think the, the game you look at obviously was the 2019 game where you were like, oh, wow, maybe Kentucky is ahead of Louisville because um, Louisville had a great year and Kentucky had a decent year. And the score was not, I, I didn't know, I, I, <laughs> I was supposed to be at that game. I ended up getting really sick, so I didn't make it. But I know, and I honestly was asleep for most of it because I felt like crap. But um, I think I had a score prediction before of like 30 to 23. And it ended up being, you know, obviously whatever, 45, whatever it was. So I, I think that was kind of the game where you're like, okay, maybe Kentucky is past Louisville. But I think this year they need to just prove it. I think that's exactly what the expectation is. It's an expected win, which it's never been before. I mean, other than 2018, but like I said, I'd throw that year away. Um, so I think they just need to simply the, take care of business. And I'm not saying – I'm not saying they're, they need to win by 30 points, but if I, I think they need to prove they just can beat Louisville on a year-in and year-out basis, especially if you go into that game. Obviously, we don't know how either team's going to play out, but especially if you can go into that game where both teams have decent records and you still beat them like you did in 2019. And you obviously this game will be in Louisville because uh, of last year. Um, if you're able to kind of have a repeat of 2019 and do it on the road, I think that's exactly what Kentucky fans are looking for to say, yep, we passed them too. This is kind of an interesting question, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to phrase this in my head as it's actually coming out of my mouth. Um, 2019, obviously we know what happened with Limbaugh just going crazy, but one thing I think that happened in that game that will have a lasting impact is the entire L's down fiasco with Scott Satterfield. I, this, again, this is stupid, okay? This is a stupid question, but I want to ask this because the Bobby Petrino stamp of the UK L rivalry forever will be that picture of him holding the grad assistant or whoever that guy was up by his collar when the two programs got into that scuttlebutt back in 2016, 2015, whatever the year was. Yeah. That's Bobby's moment with Louisville and Kentucky. Um, Scott Satterfield's, though, I'm worried, is starting to kind of trend downward, and that will always be what we remember if Louisville's not able to get back this year or next. Do you feel like that moment kind of was like the turning point? And again, I know that's kind of a stupid question, but that has more of a significant meaning than maybe we think of when Satterfield walks in and is, is bitching, quite frankly, about a, a stupid hand signal instead of worrying about the football game. Like, do you feel like there was kind of a turning point of, okay, maybe Kentucky is starting to kind of dominate this rivalry and this is ours to take? I definitely thought they were in their heads at that point. And I don't think I don't even think – I didn't see – I mean, obviously, I don't think any Louisville players cared. That's just part of the rivalry. There's right, that, right. Just Texas, Texas and Oklahoma, the horns down stuff. I don't think any of the players care. It's part of the game. But you have the older people complaining about it, and it's just – it's stupid. It's just it, – I don't think it, anyone means uh, – the thing is, nowadays, these athletes are all friends with one another, where the, maybe they weren't back during our parents' generations. So after the game, they're all taking pictures together and stuff. They, they're competing on the field. It's a rivalry on the field. The second they step off the field, they're best friends. That's just how sports are nowadays. So yeah, what was the dude's name that threw the trash can a few years ago? The defensive yeah. lineman. He definitely didn't like Louisville players. Oh, that guy maybe not. <laughs> yeah, but, every once in a while, you'll get guys who truly dislike each other. But you're right. I think for the oh, most part in the last better part of a decade, 
most of these guys, they, they grow up playing ball together. If they're recruited out of the same region, they probably know one another. So I, I think it, it's a different dynamic, not just in this rivalry, but across all rivalries in sport, except for maybe a distinct few, such as Ohio State, Michigan. Those guys just don't straight. straight hate each other. Right. Yeah. And I think that's fair. But I just think that was kind of the, the L's down thing with Satterfield getting upset about it was a wow, we're in your head type of thing. And I think obviously we didn't, I had no, I had no idea that Louisville was going to have the year they had last year, um, especially after they came back and won their bowl game in, in 19. So I don't know if that was kind of a moment where Louisville's program was going in the wrong direction under Satterfield, but it was definitely a moment in this rivalry where I was like, wow, Kentucky's in Louisville's heads. Kentucky might have, at least right now, they have a leg up. And obviously we didn't get to see anything last year, but um, I will be, I'm definitely curious to see how it is you know, this year. Um, but again, I think a lot of it for me, at least is how uh, it's the last game of the regular season. So what type of year are these teams having? Cause mm. if, you know, it's, I, I, I'm talking hypothetically, I don't know how either team's going to be, but if Louisville's, if it's 2018 all over again, no matter who the school is in each position, what is it to me? The game is just like, well, I, right. I, well it's like, a, it doesn't matter. I want to see a 2019 where both teams are coming in off strong years. Um, it's the last game of the year, you know, maybe a chance for a bigger bowl games at stake kind of, I mean, 20, I guess at that point in 2019, it wasn't, but uh, I, I want, I want to see both two teams at their best uh, going at it the last game of the season, even 2017, a little bit, obviously when Louisville came in and Lamar just killed Kentucky, it was at that game. I, both of those teams, you know, Kentucky was a seven-win team. I think Louisville won nine that year, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So kind of both decent seasons. I, I, I just want to see something like that. I don't want to see another 2018 because that's just – that's not fun for – I don't think it's even – obviously Kentucky fans are going to enjoy beating Louisville and then the opposite when Louisville was dominating Kentucky. But I don't think that's really fun for anybody. Right, right. So obviously we've got a lot of time between now and when the game uh, kicks off. I believe it's what, November 27th? Do I have that? Something something along those lines. But there's a lot of time to debate this. But for both teams, what do you think could be the bigger factor for either squad going into that game? Yeah, I I think that's a good question. I think it's going to be really one is, again, momentum, because we don't know how each team is going to be record-wise. So it might be, obviously, if, I don't know, say I'm just using as an example, say Kentucky is on that pace where they can have another 10 win season and they're trying to get into a citrus bowl like game again they want to make sure to take care of business and secure that or for louisville um if both teams are kind of on the same plane like they were in 2019 for louisville it's going to be the a revenge game of sorts uh, to you know get back and uh, you know take over um after the last two games so i think those will be the kind of the motivating factors for both teams i think those will be the, the storyline really though it's just hard to know given the seasons they're going to have. Um, but for Louisville, I think it's, you know, you mentioned playing in front of an empty house in 2018 and most of the fans there in blue, just given the year they had, I think for Louisville, it's you want to make it a game that your fans are going to be into and give you a home field advantage. Because obviously 2018, uh, that game being in Louisville was, you know, <laughs> it was one-sided. I mean, just given the years they had, I'm always, a, for me, I like when the team, I, I know it sounds bad, but I like when fans don't show up when the product sucks because I think it sends a message. Like right now, I'm a diehard Yankee fan, right? I love that the Yankee fans are not showing up 
because it shows you guys suck, do something about it. I'm okay with that. So I think that for Louisville, you want to play well enough so you have a home field advantage in that game and make it harder on Kentucky because I think I think 2019, the weather, you kind of throw it away. But I remember being in the house in 17, and I felt like it was a decent home field until uh, Louisville ran away with it. I wasn't there in 16, but it looked like Louisville's fans showed up for that game um, pretty well, and it wasn't a, you know it wasn't anything – where the visitor had more fans, so I think for Louisville, you got to make it a make it so you have a home a home field advantage for that game. Because I think, you know, obviously, you look at this rivalry. I'm I don't think home field has played that big of a role uh, just in the wins and losses. Obviously, 2016 was the year, really the only year I can think of off the top of my head that was just a massive upset um, of proportions. Other because Kentucky never could <laughs> pull that off when they were awful. So. Um, I just think that Louisville's got to make sure they play well enough so they have people in that house and make it a game and make it an event. Um, if it's like 2018, uh, it's just, again, it's no fun. <laughs> this rivalry right. supposed to be fun. Uh, I think that's what's been fun about the last two basketball games, right? I mean, down to the one was in overtime. I know last year Kentucky sucked, but it was a great game um, between the two teams, and it came down to the wire. So you want to have that again and have the crowd into it, especially – you know, this being the year fans are allowed back in the building, 100% capacity. This was a game everybody, I think, on both sides missed last year, um, even though it hasn't been as fun the last couple of years. Um, so I, I just think having a good crowd and for Louisville being the home team, for it to be mostly a home game and being an event uh, is really important. So I, I know how I kind of feel about this question. And obviously there's going to be a lot that transpires between now and then. Louisville could have a surprising upturn given the year they came on. Same could be for Kentucky or both teams could absolutely suck. But as it pertains to just the, the confines of the rivalry game, who do you think needs it more? Oh, Louisville. No, there's no doubt about it. I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's my thought too. Just considering like everything that's transpired over like the season, the off season, the stuff with South Carolina, some people are a little bit unhappy with the recruiting class, even though it's Satterfield has said it's going to be a smaller class than normal because of COVID scholarship stipulations and whatnot. Right. But no, I, I don't think there's much of a debate. Louisville no. kind of needs this a lot more than Stoops needs it. Because Stoops has proven that he's he's built something. And even though he's had years where he's he's lost a little, it, it seems like there hasn't they have Kentucky hasn't put a ton at stake into just that one game. Right. Whereas depending on what happens prior to this season. That could be a make or break game for Satterfield. No, I, I'm pretty confident in saying that no matter what happens to Kentucky, it's not going to be a make or break game for Stoops. Now, I mean, look, 26, you could have a thing where Louisville has their 2016 moment, right? When Kentucky came in and uh, were 28 point dogs and beat, you know, the Heisman winner and everything, um, that game was kind of for Stoops. That was where the fans knew he was the right guy. Because at that point, the jury was still out. I mean, obviously, 2013 was a throwaway year. You you know, you're inheriting a horrible roster. Uh, you, you're stuck at five wins the next two years. And then 2016, I think they I, – I, I don't want to get it wrong, but I want to say they started – they started the year 0-2 with that horrible loss to Southern Miss. And then Florida, obviously, is going to be Florida. But they kind of bounced back, and they were around 500. They got into a bowl game, but – um, it was still just wasn't a very good year, I guess. They just weren't that much fun to watch. And that game kind of started to turn things around. Obviously, 2017, another seven-win year. And then, you know, 
the rest is history. So for Louisville, I think that's a game where I think the jury's still out on Satterfield. They obviously had one outstanding year that no one necessarily expected, uh, rightfully won ACC Coach of the Year. Um, and then last year was a stinker, and no one really expected that either. So I think for Louisville, having not just a good year, but getting back in the rivalry and winning that game would be massive to tell you, hey, you know, it was just a down year last year. Like, we're still on the right path um, with the coach that we hired. So, and really for the fans, I mean, look, Satterfield's definitely done a lot to, one, put himself in a bad place with all these coaching interviews saying you would never leave and doing that type of thing. And like you said, the recruiting, obviously it's smaller and the COVID stuff, but you still want to at least recruit at an ACC level, which I'm not sure Louisville really did. If you look at just the, at least the star ratings, I don't know how much to look into that, but they just, your class doesn't necessarily excite you, which I get. So I think for them, they have to, if, if at least one, they have to take care of their business and have a decent year in the ACC. But two, if they really want to prove that last year was just a throwaway year, um, with COVID that they need to, they definitely need this game for, whereas for Kentucky, they've kind of proved they're, you know, they're not really going anywhere. They think they can compete in the SEC East every year. And they surely have uh, two of the last three years. I mean, they, in 2018, of course, had an SEC East title game in Lexington. So um, obviously they've kind of proven themselves, but for Louisville and Satterfield, the jury's still out. And he hasn't beaten Kentucky yet, obviously. I think he's only had one chance so far. But um, it, it's got to happen for them, especially if, like I said, we're going into like 2019 type year where both teams have the same record. All right. It's going to be interesting. We've got plenty of time between now and then for things to change. Um, and I can guarantee you one thing I know about this rivalry. They probably will. Uh, so we will continue to uh, look into that, continue to stay on top of it. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. For our audience that wants to give Aaron a follow, I know it's going to be a tough sell to get Louisville fans to want to follow a Kentucky <laughs> media member. But if that's something you're interested in, give Aaron a follow on Twitter. That's at a Gershon 99. And he is, uh, he's great with the, with the Kentucky the, um, information and all that. So make sure you follow him. Make sure you check out his work on a sea of blue cats by 90 big blue insider. Aaron, thank you so much for your time, man. And we'll talk soon. All right, guys. And hey, for Louisville fans that follow, I don't, I'm new to the rivalry. <laughs> I grew up in it. So I don't hate Louisville like every other really Kentucky media member. Who Your dog up. disagrees. He disagrees full heartedly. I, oh, yeah. as, as soon as you mentioned that, he couldn't help himself. No, we hate Kentucky. Or we hate Louisville. I just don't, I don't, I don't like, like Louisville, but I don't have the same hatred level as the other fans. For me, it's Florida. I grew up hating Florida and still do. You're I, not an L's down guy? Not yet. I, I mean, I obviously – Still time. We can change that. It's just been so one-sided football-wise, and then basketball is just it's, – it's kind of in the same way, except last year was – you know. It, it looks like it's starting to turn around in basketball at least, but yeah, we'll see. I hope so. I, I, I See, like I'm the type where I just want good games, man. Like it's more fun when both teams are good, like you guys said from the top. It's not fun when one team sucks or both suck. It's just just have good teams. I think that with every rivalry. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I used to be extremely vehement about the rivalry. Just hate, hate, hate Kentucky. Now I'm just like, I don't have the mental energy to exactly. put into it. Just Unless someone like 
makes it really personal. I just don't get involved in rivalry matters. It's funny <laughs> from an outside perspective. It's fantastic to follow. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. The hypocrisy from both sides and just the oh, absolute, yeah. you know, their head up their program's asses sometimes it's, and it's both ways. Louisville fans. I will not, I'm not the Louisville fan that denies Louisville fans being ridiculous. They are. They're crazy. I can be ridiculous and crazy. Oh, fuck you, fans are crazier if not. <laughs> I mean, I've I've painted up for games. I can be crazy too. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it's fun though. It's all in good fun as long as it doesn't cross the line. I, I always enjoy it. Just don't go to a dialysis clinic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.